You're listening to Robert Wright's Non-Zero Podcast. Hey, Mickey. Oh, look, you've got a you've got a picture of the uh, what do they call that? The Union Jack, the flag of Britain. Oh, and, and a head of lettuce. I'm presenting the next prime minister. The iconic and ironic head of lettuce. You know what this means, Bob? Uh, you know why I'm holding a head of lettuce? I think I think so. I only paid half attention to that meme, but I gather the joke was which will last longer, Liz Truss. Okay, thanks for that, uh, for the musical accompaniment. That was great. Uh, which will last longer, this head of lettuce or Liz Truss? Was right. that the joke? Yes. Um, so... Um, so, so then that so was I, a highly original cold open there on your part. Uh, I took a poll. Was this so overdone and lame that I couldn't use it on Twitter? Or was it beyond overdone and lame? So it was ironic. I, this is an ironic head of lettuce, Bob. Okay. And, uh, but I have, a better, I have a better open. Oh, good. Let's do that. I have a protest. There's no such thing as too many great opens, Mickey. That's right. Let's keep it rolling. Let's don't uh, lose the momentum. Mickey is now. Bob. Yeah. I'm protesting the pre-election Twitter uh, shadow banning that's going on. Who do they by, ban? Well, it, it, there was a sudden drop in, in followers of certain, certainly people on the right were complaining about it. I, I don't know if it happened on the left. But it happened to me. I mean, ordinary, like a, a, a normal tweet for me would have got 2,000, you know, I, I, whatever it is, impressions. Impressions. Now, now it'll get 868. I mean, it's, and it's oh, just man. happened, you know, and it's, it's brutal. I mean, I'm adjusting downward. Now I think a day where I get 20,000 impressions is a good day. It used to Do be 100,000. You actually look at the impression stats? That's digging pretty deep for affirmation, Mickey. Those are probably the most inflated. At? Well, just what about retweets and likes? Well, but they, 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 you know, I, I often like have, you know, people. Like if I want four figures, if I want four figures, I just look at retweets. I routinely get 4,000, 8,000, a billion retweets. Uh, what can I say? You're I, a better I don't have man to look than at impressions. You, you have not pissed off the Twitter gods, Bob, but I have, and I'm protesting by, I have glued my fingers to the screen of this iPad. Like those Apparently. protesters in Europe who glued their themselves, themselves to, the to, wall. To, to to paintings or scientists in Germany that have glued themselves to the floor of the Volkswagen showroom in order to protest climate change. I am uh, this protest will last until well, I don't know when it'll last until, but it'll last until I have to type something. Well, how about you take that part of it off camera? We just take your word for the the fact that your hand is glued to your okay, iPad. Yeah, no, we 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 will not doubt that. Okay. So it, ke it keeps me out of Jeffrey Tubin trouble too. Now you want you want me to put those two together, Liz Truss and Twitter, in a novel way? Did, uh sure. Did you see the trolling involving Elon Musk, Liz, Liz Truss, and Dmitry Medvedev, former president of Russia? I saw a, a a reference to it quickly, but and it ended with Medvedev saying he'll join Elon Musk on Victory Day. But uh, oh, I didn't that see I that saw. part. Medvedev finally replied. That's yeah, funny. But, but what did um? Well, the what, way it started. How did it start? So Medvedev says he's trolling Liz Truss. He says like congratulations to the lettuce or something. And Elon Musk tweets to Medvedev something really? like, "I've had I, I my cold open was so lame that it was been already been adopted by Medvedev." Yeah, he he's not even president of Russia anymore. He's a has been, but he's ahead well, of he you. He has all his time to think. He of is deputy secretary like of the national security something. But yeah. uh, anyway, anyway, go ahead. So Musk says to Medvedev after Medvedev says that about trust. Musk Musk says to Medvedev, "Ooh, pretty good troll, TBH, or pretty pretty good burn, or something." It's a compliment, to Medvedev's troll. And then Musk adds, "By the way, how are things going in Bakhmut?" Which is a pretty which is, I think, a troll of Medvedev. And I think what may have happened is Elon Musk is, you know, he says that to Medvedev and, and goes, oh, shit, now I'm going to be accused of consorting with Russians again. I better, I better give him a little burn here. So Bakhmut <laughs> is this town that 
isn't, you know, on the most people's radar screen. It's a relatively small town that the Russians have been trying to take for like two months. They may be making modest inroads, but it's coming at a cost. And it is not of intrinsic strategic importance, except that it's, it is on the path to these two bigger prizes, these two, two cities. Um, so I took that to be a troll. And by the way, it's also kind of a retort to people who were saying, you know, when Musk did the, the Russia peace plan and, and, the, and people were, were saying he must be a Russian stooge, they were saying things like, oh, look, he's got a map. You know, Elon Musk could, doesn't possibly have the resources to generate an actual map on his own. It must have been fed to him by the Russians or something, you know, like, or how could he possibly know that Khrushchev handed Ukraine uh, right. to, or, or yeah, yeah, handed Crimea to Ukraine? Um, but this was I, a pretty inside baseball little tweet. So, you know, and I think Musk does his own tweeting. And I certainly think he was at this point. So, so there you go. But, but so, so, uh, but what was the original thing about the head of lettuce? He was trolling trust while she was still prime minister. He was congratulating Medvedev on successfully. No, no. Uh, Medvedev trolled trust after she lost. Oh, Elon comp complimented Medvedev on the troll and then figured, oh, wait, I don't know what he figured. But anyway, he followed that up by what I think was a troll of Medvedev. And then so now you're telling yeah. me Medvedev si said, see you on Victor yeah. Day. In other yeah. words, we are going to win, asshole. Right. But but, but so um, it, it was a good troll just to just to tweet this head of lettuce. That's a completely hack idea. I mean, only a, only somebody was like. An idiot would have that idea. Yeah, no, right? only a true has been. As I said, yeah. he hasn't been in power for years and years and years. And and let me just say, there's no former bloggers he reminds me of in that regard. No names well, are coming to why mind. Did, why Mickey. did he? Uh, why did? Why did? Uh, and he, why did Musk feel he had to suck up to Medvedev? I guess he was being in. I don't think. I, I think it was. I think network. the first. I think the first thing was spontaneous. I think he just said, "Hey, good troll." I mean, that's the way Musk yeah. is. Yeah. He's just out okay. there. And then okay. I think maybe he thought better of it and thought, I better even the score, give this guy some shit, and did. Okay. Do we, do we want to deal with, uh, deal with Ukraine first? I mean, they're, the Russians are about to lose Kherson, how you pronounce it? Kherson. That's, that's the conventional reading. There are signs pointing that way. I you mean, know me. What? What about you? I give the conventional reading, and then you give the... The subtle nuance, no, Bob Wright reading. No, I don't necessarily doubt it. There's more than one sign pointing this way. I mean, this is new general who's in charge of the whole operation, who unsettlingly, apparently, actually has long had the nickname General Armageddon. Is that true? Am I? I haven't really looked into it, but that would be that the would media be a little, latch on of these things. Like that would be disturbing. You know, anyway, mad dog, mad us. Anyway, they started evacuating civilians from Kherson, and the general said, "I'm prepared to make." you know, difficult decisions if necessary, which people took to mean that they would withdraw the soldiers next, um, which kind of makes sense uh, because, is that, yeah. Is that the one where I saw a map of how they're going to evacuate on the Dnipro River? Well, that, that's that what the they river? have to cross to evacuate. Yeah. And okay. I anyway. also saw a thing on Russian TV where the correspondent from Kyrgyzstan, this is Russian state TV, definitely seemed to be preparing people for bad news. He was in Kherson and he's like, well, they're not saying that they're, I'm not hearing that the, that the troops are going to retreat, but next two months are going to bring no bad news. There will be a loss of uh, no good news. Uh, there will be a loss of land. And so, I mean, he was, he was painting a dark picture for the Russians. Uh, huh. So, you know, I, I, I guess, I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's still a chance that the Russians will, stay and fight after the civilian evacuation. Ordinarily, you might think they would want civilians there because then right. it's harder for the Ukrainians to that, shell but. indiscriminately. Uh, and, and in fact, uh, Russia was accusing Ukraine of not letting civilians leave Mariupol for that reason. But, uh, but you got to remember that when the Russians retreated from Kharkiv, they took a lot of shit for betraying the civilians because they had come in and said, don't worry, we're here for good. You can have Russian citizenship. And so some people took Russian citizenship and some people were 
you know, kind of uh, arguably on the borderline of collaborator, like, like some teachers went to Russia and got education in how to teach Russian culture and came back. And so once the Russians leave all these people from people who, who now have Russian citizenship to to teachers and then and then to true, you know, uh, you know, puppet governors and stuff are wondering, like, are we going to get punished when the Ukrainians come in? Right. So they're fleeing. So you can imagine that that even if the Russians weren't sure they were going to retreat, they would go ahead and clear the civilians out so that they won't take this kind of heat again if they do retreat. That's the one. But if the civilians have already collaborated, where are they going? Russia or Ukraine? Or they're melting oh, they, back they, into they the, the The ones who fled, like in the Kharkiv area, they were heading for Russian territory. They were worried about what the Ukrainians would do to them. So the civilians are evacuating from... Kyrgyzstan are going to Russia? I assume the evacuation is optional. And okay. if so, then the ones who are choosing to evacuate are going to Russia. Okay. Uh, I assume. I, I mean, you know, you hear a lot about they're forcibly transporting people here right. and there and forcing them to go to Russia. I think a lot of that is overblown. Um, but certainly with in Kharkiv, the people who were fleeing by choice, the Russian troops had already left. And they were people afraid uh, that they would be to varying degrees punished right. by the Ukrainians. Right. So you you basically accept the conventional wisdom or do I would you have bet, any dissent? Well, I would, I would, uh, the only, the only qualification is that you can imagine them evacuating the civilians for the reason I gave, just in case the soldiers right. are going to ultimately right. have to retreat. Right. Did, did you read the report that, Putin had ordered a test of the nuclear of two nuclear weapons and it had been sabotaged. No, that he he was he hadn't ordered them dropped. He hadn't ordered them used on the battlefield, but before he uses them, he wanted to test them, and also that would have a demonstration effect. Just having a test of the weapons, and that the test did not happen because they were sabotaged by the deeper state. Wait, where were they going to be? Where were they going to be tested? Underground? Underwater. One was underwater. One was, I think, in some remote area. Is uh, this reliable info? When did you? No, it's not reliable info, but it's on oh, Drudge. Oh, well. Uh, Drudge. Well, Drudge isn't Drudge anymore. Drudge is something else. Who knows what Drudge is? But hmm. uh, it's not. Uh, it's 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 you know it's not taken to the bank, but it's not uh, biased. In, in one way or the other, and it's, if anything, it's biased in a sort of anti-Russian, anti-Trumpist direction now. And uh, hmm. but who knows? I mean, the the only other uh, relevant thing to Kherson is this weird thing where Russia there's this dam upriver from Kherson. Russians are saying they they know that the Ukrainians are going to blow it up. The Ukrainians are saying they know the Russians are going to blow it up. <laughs> Sounds like one side or the other is thinking about blowing it up and blaming it on the other one. And uh, Maybe I they could collaborate. This could be the beginning of a of a beautiful relationship. A, a beautiful relationship. Of yeah. Peace. Yeah. The uh, I, I don't get why Russia would at this point flood that river. It's the Ukrainians have been trying to blow up the bridges, but don't have artillery close enough to do it. In in all cases, uh, they're the ones. I mean, I guess I'd say if it happens before the Russian troops have left. Kherson, because they will go across the river if they leave. I would think it's the Ukrainians who would have done it. If it happens after that, maybe it's the Russians trying to keep the Ukrainians from chasing them. I don't know, but stay tuned for that, too. Okay. Um, well, thank you. Uh, I, um, I, did hear, uh, I did hear the All In podcast this week, which is the podcast with Chabeth blah, 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 and uh, David Sachs. <laughs> And uh, Jason Calacanis, Jason Calacanis, and, and a fourth uh, person who sounds remarkably like two of the others, Friedberg or Friedberg. Yeah. Anyway, is anyway he's, um, and and Sachs. Uh, first, it was an incredible orgy of self uh, congratulation because uh, it was their hundredth podcast, so they spent the first half oh, I, hour. Yeah, yeah. I listened to this one. I was thinking yeah. we should do that. We should congratulate ourselves. We, a little. Uh, Little you shorter, can say some they, of the things they say. They're like, you know, the thing about our podcast is we're real friends. We, you know, we go back, we go way back, yeah, we go yeah, deep. Yeah. No, it's all was, out there. We that can was say annoying, that. but I like the fact the part where subs where Sachs said 
he might quit because he's overworked and he doesn't have time for this. I think that was uh, a surprise I, for the I other empath- three. <laughs> I empathize with that. Uh, so, um, and, he, and uh, it's, surpri- it's amazing how all four of them are skeptics on the Ukraine war. I and suspect that some of them are following his lead. I don't know. I think a lot of them are, but I wonder if that's a very common Silicon Valley view. When he was on my podcast, I asked him and it didn't sound like it. I mean, I I may have been asking him more generally about sympathy for the kind of restraint movement in foreign policy in Silicon Valley, but it it didn't sound like he feels uh, that he's got a whole, he's in, you know, really sympathetic company in Silicon Valley. His argument, which I'm sure you've heard before, which was semi-new to me, was the model for the Ukraine war is not Munich and appeasement, but World, World War One and how things get out of control if you give your allies a blank check. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kevin McCarthy said this past week uh, that if the Republicans take the House, they're not going to give Ukraine a blank check anymore. And there was a big debate on what he meant by that. I don't care what he meant by that. He put pressure yeah. on them either way. If McCarthy's doing it for 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 silly fiscal prudence reasons or serious strategic reasons, it sort of doesn't matter, does it? Uh, well, I mean, first the, the so-called blank check in the case of World War One was a little different. It was supposed it was Germany signaling to uh, the Austro-Hungarian Empire that they would join the war. That was the signal as received, at least right. by the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So this is not exactly that, but there is the parallel. They said, whatever, pol- whatever yeah. you do, we will join you. They didn't say you have to do this, this, and this, but not that, right? Which is- there, there's certainly, in both cases, yeah. the, the, the power that's being consulted by the one more directly involved, not saying, hey, why don't we wind this down? Right. But, but rather saying, hey, we'll be there for you, which seems right. to be what the U.S. is saying. Yeah. Okay. Well, I th- okay. And, and, so go, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I mean, I don't know how real it is. Uh, do you have a sense for that? I, well, well, the, I mean, certainly the Republican Party is at this point less gung ho about Ukraine than the Democratic Party. Uh, the base, the mega base, does not really uh, yeah. care that much about Ukraine, and MSNBC is going berserk for Ukraine. So well, uh, the roles have flipped. Now and the, AO, well, AOC is not a peace stick anymore, although she was heckled by some actual peace sticks. There is a little movement among progressives. In the parrot room, I may play you a little thing from this uh, highly blobbish podcast where uh, Ben Rhodes, who ironically apparently came up with the term the blob, even though he's part of it, and uh, and Tommy Veter do some repositioning on Ukraine. And, and it's like for the first time, they're like, well, Ukraine's interests aren't exactly like ours and blah, blah. So there is. Really good. Yeah. And they're, they're kind of a bellwether, I think, among progressives. But uh you know, well, all the talk of nuclear war has kind of spooked people, I think. But I was going to ask you, like, how many Republicans are using using the war and connecting it to inflation? Because, you know, one thing we were, I'm sure we'll talk about is the big flip in the polls since the last time we talked, significant movement toward the Republicans as, uh, and, and the brightening of their midterm prospects. I think some. I think people are using it, but that always seems like a bogus, a bogus connection. It's like a third order concern in the budgetary impact compared with the, uh, you know, the the other impacts in terms of uh, starting with nuclear war. Well, sure, and let me just say parenthetically that I wondered whether, you know, if it's true that there's been a fairly dramatic move from Repub- Democrats to Republicans over the last couple of weeks or a few weeks, um, whether you think it has anything to do with that weird thing we've talked about where Biden basically says, you know, we've never been as we haven't been as close to nuclear Armageddon since the Cuban Missile Crisis. And frankly, I have no idea what to do about it. I mean, that's basically what he that's said. That's a very it's good like, point. That hasn't been emphasized. And, and it does sort of coincide with the polling drop, although the polls lag a bit. And it was sort of always inevitable that the tide would come in. I think at some point it's not over yet. We have three weeks to take and go back out. Oh, sure. But, uh, um, I mean, that doesn't make you, that doesn't incline you to want to keep the Democrats in charge when the president says something like that, right? He didn't give the impression that he had things under control. <laughs> no. Uh, and that's for sure. But what I was going to ask you about, infl- I mean, there's two ways you can connect the war to inflation. 
the 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 way if I'm a Republican, it's easy to pin to easier to pin to Biden is you know he he's about to apparently uh, give Congress a fifty billion dollar spending bill. That'll mean this year over one hundred fifteen billion for Ukraine. None of it matched by new revenue. I mean that's that's inflationary in and of itself. Is that? But but I don't think the average voter is generally going around making connection between fiscal policy and inflation. Then there's also the fact that the war itself is inflationary and, and Biden is not doing anything to seemingly to wind it down. I was going to ask you, if are Republican candidates complaining that Biden is not putting any pressure? Are they complaining about the, the blank check is, is the question. Um, I think they are, although I visited uh, one candidate on the stump in my gritty shoe leather reporting, Bob. Mm -hmm. I saw Blake Masters talk to a, a group of, of Republicans and you were there with he, you were there with Blake. Well, was, I was in a room with a hundred Republicans and Blake, and uh, and that's uh, pretty he, intimate. He, he did not. He did not. Uh, I don't think bring up Ukraine. Really? He up on, he, well, he brought up. He's in the final throes of a campaign. He brought up only the, the issues that are hundred percent dead winners for him. Uh, and, although he did take questions, and he 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 answered the questions. So he we didn't get that question. Uh, so I don't know. I assume some of them are. Uh, well, but, Arizona's uh, McCain I, country. Maybe no, maybe it's not a good place to play this card. I don't know. Well, he, he, he if you, if you're running as a Republican, you can't be sure what your audience is going to be. Yeah. If you're he's speaking to a venerable Republican club, right? They're probably not anti-war, uh, you know, base people. They're old McCain people. You're probably yeah, right. Yeah, in general, I would think Republicans need to micro-target any kind of anti-war message. Uh, uh, but I mean, the, 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 you know, on this all in podcast, Chamath blah, 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 said uh, said uh, he thought inflation was going to hamper the war effort just because we weren't going to be able to, uh, to afford it. I guess that's another way of saying what you're saying. But it seemed the way he put it, it seemed crazy. I mean, if we want to if we want to back Ukraine, we have the money to do it. It's not mm -hmm. like we're not going to be able to do it because we can't afford it. No, nobody's. It is true that the era when nobody cared what things cost because, hey, there wasn't going to be inflation anyway. Who cares about the deficit? Look at Paul Krugman. Those days are over. Yeah. I think it's, uh, so can we talk about the midterms a bit? Sure. I mean, you're, you're right about, you're right that, you know, now the, C, the conventional wisdom, the CW is totally, uh, the red wave is coming back in. It's not here yet, but the, all the polls are, are drifting toward Republicans. Uh, it looks like they're going to do well enough to win the House, not necessarily well enough to win the Senate, but maybe it's looking better and better. So one looks at 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 the things if you're if you're a contrarian uh, wannabe pundit, you look at the things that might screw up this scenario. Although I I hope the red tie does come in, but uh, but uh, uh, things that might screw it up are are, are the main thing is. The old, you know, the the Democrats have two talking points. One is a threat to democracy, and it's all they're they're all they're all reading. It seems from the same cue cards, and the 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 the, the tell there is that they use the word experiment. If they use the word experiment, the American experiment is under threat. It's pretty clear that they're all singing from the same hymn book. Right. I just don't see that. You know, whether or not it's it's a real concern, and we can get to that later. 7% of the public cares about it. They care about other things. Maybe they're excessively short-term, but uh, it, it, in the Harvard-Harris poll, it, it, it drew a 7% of the people said it was an important issue. The second thing, which I think is a sleeper issue, we always is for the Democrats, is Social Security. I mean, and Matt Iglesias is flogging this one, and I think it's a better one for the Democrats. Wait, how does it work? Well, McCarthy is... It, and the third thing is McCarthy. McCarthy is giving the Democrats a weapon because he's saying, hey, when we get office, we're going to shut down the government and, call, and, and leverage our priorities. And our priorities might be lower spending, which is not a bad goal. But I don't think voters want to think, hey, if I vote for these guys, there'll be a government shutdown. Boy, I love those. You know, so I don't think they want that. And And lurking in the background are all sorts of People who are who are who are not McCarthy, but are important people, like the uh, the whatever study committee 
Representative Banks chairs. And if you look at his proposal, it does fuck around with Social Security in ways that, uh, A, that I wouldn't do, and B, a true Trumpist wouldn't do, Trump himself mm -hmm. would never do, uh, and it fucks around with Medicare even more. And why do that? Why, why, why hand this weapon to the other side? That, that came out in June, but it's now made relevant by McCarthy's promise to shut down the government. So, you know, he, he, what are the things they're going to do? They're going to replace Medicare with a, something called the Fed plan, which is alarmingly similar to Paul Ryan's uh, premium support plan. Where Wait, they're not going to say we're going to replace Medicare with anything, right? They're not going to utter those words, are they? If you read the fine print of this, of this bank's plan, he says, you know, for all new entrants, Medicare won't be there. It'll be replaced by the Fed plan and a bunch of private plans you get to choose. It's, it's sort of like no, Obamacare. They're going to say you'll have more choice. You can choose Medicare or... Well, it's sort of like Obamacare. You'll have a menu on an exchange and you can go for the government plan. It's like, it's like Obamacare with a, uh, you know, a, a public option. But Medicare so, is popular, right? You don't want to sound like you're going to replace it with anything. Exactly. And Medicare works. And if you ever hit 65, and I hope everybody does, Medicare is like a dream come true. It's you just, don't have to choose. Yeah. You get a card in 15 minutes and your problems are solved. That's right. Uh, and why take that away in from fact, people? I, I, I continue to or wonder why, do it. why it is not the case that everyone who runs for president says they're going to lower the age of eligibility for Medicare to something. Totally. Right? It's like, uh, totally what's are. not to like? I mean, of course you have to pay for it, but you make a lot of crazy promises when right. you're running for president. Or 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 100%, as Chamath says. 100%, mm -hmm. um, I agree with you. Uh, oh, that's how you tell which one he is? He's the one who says 100%? Pretty sure, yeah. Because three of them <laughs> do sound kind of alike, right? This is a common problem on bro podcasts. Huh. I think I can tell them apart now. That's how much I've listened to them. That's too um, much. You should you should listen to something uh, else. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, and and uh, on uh, on Social Security, they screw around with the formula and the retirement age. You know, how do you justify raising the retirement age when the life expectancy is going down instead of up? Uh, and a, a side question: Doesn't the life expectancy going down save Social Security a whole lot of money? So it should be more solvent now than it was before because ha its recipients are dying of COVID right and left. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, anyway, um, nobody dares make that point. No, uh, only Mickey. Exactly. Uh, and um, who is who people, is people come for the upside of COVID. And that's why they, that's why they come here. Oh yeah, uh, the upside uh, of everything. This is a sunshine podcast. There, it's like it's There's like gas. probably the chance that there probably will not the chances are greater than fifty percent that there will not be a nuclear apocalypse. It, That's like, what they come like, here to hear. We're like the podcast version of gas. You know what gas is? No, I know what gas, gas is the new app that's sweeping the tea and set. Uh, mm. uh, more more so than you know, it has more downloads than than TikTok or WhatsApp because it's just starting out. And it says only positive things. You can say affirming mm. things. You can say, Bob, you look marvelous. Bob, you know, Bob, oh. you know, everybody supports you and loves you. Uh, and it's, it, it, that's I'm what there. teens want to hear. I, 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 I want the hear. premium version without the ads. I am totally there. This is what I need. What's um, it called? Gas? Gas. G-A-S. <laughs> that's as in, not. As in, we're going to gas you It doesn't inspire confidence in the positive message, does it? Gas? Well, apparently there's a. I mean, shouldn't it be like at least like oil or? Apparently, when 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 kids these days gas each other up, Bob, it means they're filling oh, their tanks with serotonin. Like have a gas, as they used to say back yeah. in um, olden days. Uh, and 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 even the even banks' social security plan siphons off some of the payroll tax into into private systems. So it's totally you know. There's my line is. I, Keep, that was a strange transition from gas, but go ahead. Oh, I just, I, I no, was gas trying to was get a, Gas was an interlude. Sorry. Go ahead. Gas was a digression. Sorry about okay. that. Um, uh, uh, what did you say? I should have played off it with some witty remark. See you at Victory Day. Yeah, that was good. Some, some clever repose. That was good. How are things uh, in Bakhmut? Yeah, okay, good. Uh, 
Anyway, um, there's also means testing, a lot of means testing in the Republican plan, and that's fine. I mean, I don't think, I think it's, that's the way the problem is going to be solved. And if I were a Republican, I would say, at most, I would say, keep everything as it is, it means test the hell out of it, and call it a day. And then pay the bill, okay? Don't fuck around with the formula or privatize or do all sorts of things that the Democrats are going to just use to beat you over the head with. Uh, and so um, that is, it seems to me that that's always the Democrats' Trump card, and it's going to be the Trump card this election. Okay, let me see if I understand where we are in this conversation. You are <laughs> doing this thing you do where you neurotically look for reasons why the Republicans might blow it because you don't want Correct. that to happen. And no, so you're looking, it's, it's, and so you're looking into the fine print of some policy shit that nobody else is going to look at, including the Republican candidates and the Democratic candidates. Oh, the Democratic candidates are going to look at it. I trust you. Why are we hearing it now, then? Well, if you were looking closer, you would hear it, and it'll it'll be louder in what, the coming they, weeks. They're, they're also using fine print to talk about the fine print? They'll say the Republicans are going to destroy Social Security. How fine print do they have to be? And then when they're questioned about it, they point to this report and say, see? And they'll be right. Well, how long has this report been there to be exploited by the Democrats? Since June. Well, then why aren't they doing it, Mickey? Because they're not crazy like you. Because they're saving it for the end, Bob. Okay. Mickey nightmare uh, number 37. What's your next one? Uh, I have no more nightmares, I don't think. But uh, the other nightmare is that the McCarthy says, first thing we do is shut down the government. Hey, great. Uh, thanks a lot, buddy. Um, Wait, so, but he, uh, he hasn't said that, has he? Yes. He said, we'll shut down the government. I guarantee it. I promise He's, you that you will not no, have there's, a functioning there's a, government there's a if you death just ceiling, vote There's a debt ceiling vote coming due. And he says, we are going to use this leverage. That's, so that's that too means, vague. That means he's going to have a, a you know, a, 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 a standoff, two cars careening toward each other with catastrophe if they don't, somebody doesn't veer off. And, uh, and why do people want to live through that again? They Let don't. me give you some good news. Let me cheer you up. This is what I consider bad news, but this is the kind of friend I am. The, You're gassing me. At the end, I, yeah, I'm going to gas you. At the end of uh, our taping of the Parrot Room last week, uh, you know, the conversation we have in front of a vast audience of uh, always satisfied customers. Um, I, tuned, I, I tuned in briefly to the Herschel Walker debate, which was still going on. And I am sorry to report, although I'm happy that it will cheer you up, he did. He was doing pretty well. I, I watched like 15, 20 minutes. And, and it, 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 you know, this is in the context of him having successfully lowered expectations and everyone having done that for him since everyone's been calling him an idiot for three months. But, you know, he had the, 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 the lines down. You know, he kind of knew enough about what Warnock was going to say because Warnock was using well-known talking points. So he kind of had something to say. And no, he wasn't William Jennings Bryant about it, but he got it out. He's got this very appealing, thick Georgia accent. Right. And good, good he, you know, guy. he's like a he's like a likable guy, if, yeah. you know. And so I was very sorry to see this, but it's true. I, I'm afraid I, that, that the Republicans are, are going to take both Georgia and Pennsylvania. Is it when is the Fetterman debate? I, I, the Fetterman is the 25th, I think. Um it's uh, Fetterman. He just looks so awful. He looks like a guy in pain. He looks like a guy who's thinking, oh, my God, somebody's fucked up my brain. OK, I mean, that's, that's what he looks like. Sorry. I think he's uh, always looked like that. Maybe, just maybe, that maybe, they're thinking, just, maybe they're just picking the photos where he looks like that because they turned against him. I don't know. He's um, always had kind of an odd look. Right. But, but, he, but this is not anyway, good. Yeah. I, 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 of course, of course, the, the press is saying, well, Fetterman's on the road to recovery. Whereas Herschel Walker, he's doomed to this mental disease forever and ever. They, when the truth is, uh, you know, they're both slightly impaired uh, and a slight impairment shouldn't affect your vote really that much one way or the other because they're only senators. They're not president. They're, their main duty is to vote. So uh, that should be which side do you want to have a majority is the, your main consideration. Uh, so anyway, but I... I, I um, I, I was all I was all high with you on the Republican chances until I read Charlie Cook, who threw a bunch of cold water on it. Okay, in, he, in he a knows fairly what he's he, he does know what he's talking about. He said, first, the great the great midterm hope is that the other side won't turn out. The president's side won't turn out. 
because they don't care. And the other side is, is, uh, is, uh, you know, mobilized. And, uh, but that's not true in this case. Both sides are going to turn out, turn out numbers for Democrats are going to be very strong. Uh, so the Republicans have that weapon and the field is narrowed. So, uh, even in the house, the max the Republicans can hope for is like 25. Although, uh, Sean Trend, the voice of God, says if the Republicans get above five in the generic poll, then it's then it's a Katie bar the door. Then there's a whole wall of Democrats who fall. But um, Cook said the most likely outcome was 50 50. Uh, uh, and, and the press is now onto, onto the 50 49 Evan McMullen holds the balance of power scenario, which you heard first on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, I think. Yeah, I remember uh, that so, moment. Uh, anyway, you may have heard it first somewhere speaking else. Of but things, speaking of things, speaking of prescience on this podcast. Uh, so, so this Liz Trust thing, I think if you remember when she assumed office, seems like only weeks ago. I said, so wait a second. She, in a time of dire inflation. Her plan is to cut taxes and increase government spending significantly at the same time. And she got voted into office. Of course, the vote was only among these hardcore right. party members, but they bought it. And, I, and I'm like, good luck with that. Well, as I understand it, what brought her down is she implemented the thing and the mar financial market said, Bob right. was right. In fact, some of them actually said that literally. Some of these these traders on the floor, I don't know if you heard it, they were like murmuring, Bob was right. And uh, and so she bit the dust. Now, but enough about me, Mickey. My go question, ahead. yeah. Okay, go ahead, ask your question. Well, just what's going to happen next? I mean, people are talking seriously about, about Boris Johnson coming. He, he's the, in the betting markets, Boris Johnson is number three. Well. Third in line. The, 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 the articles, I... I I, 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 I've read what Andrew Sullivan had to say about it, with what Matt Goodwin had to say about it, and what some of the people who come in my email box have to say about it. Uh, what seems to have happened is, you know, the, the Brexit coalition that passed Brexit and gave Johnson a huge majority, which they've now pissed away in record time, uh, was composed of a sort of two parts. One is the vast mass of people who wanted to control immigration, have Britain be free, from EU control, have their nice sovereign Britain, didn't care that much about GDP, uh, but they wanted their country back. And then there was a, a smaller group, which Goodwin says is 10%, that saw this as an opportunity to create Singapore on the Thames, which is, you know, we cut government spending, we, we were the wheeling, dealing, free marketers, That's we bring in more trust. immigrants. We, yeah, we, we have a deep financial deregulation and we just kick ass, okay, and we get rich. And uh, you know, don't care that much about the effect on uh, on whether the, the the viability of traditional uh, English countryside, and that's Liz Trust. And we saw what the electoral reward was of that for that, which is uh, ignominious defeat. Now, I've been writing, and I, I that this is what would happen in the U.S. Republican Party if Paul Ryan took over and became sort of president and got to enact his agenda. The one part where you point out he departs from trust is he probably wouldn't increase spending, but he would cut taxes in an inflationary mm -hmm. time probably. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and, and I think he would be as, as successful as trust because he would have lost the vast base of the Republican party. I just think Ryanism is dead. Trustism is dead. And th the impression I get is that, uh, you know, the closest to that is Boris Johnson. I mean, he's running against. Yeah, but the, surely one of the one of the conservative party's main goals in Britain is to not is to cease being a global laughingstock. And nothing, nothing would do a better job of keeping them a laughingstock than than Groundhog Day. Boris shows up again. He's the only person who who has succeeded in keeping this coalition together, perhaps through lying and flimflabbery. But uh, most people think that I guess Sunak is the alternative. Is is he is more in the? He's just a, another person in the trust camp. So that's the impression I get. I'm I'm sure I'm oversimplifying. Uh, 
the uh, may, you know, there's there's also an, an interesting correlation, which is the Tories were doing really well. They fired Dominic Cummings, and they've immediately plunged into defeat, massive defeat. So maybe they should rehire Dominic Cummings. That's just a thought. Uh, he you, seemed you to know what he was doing. Year. Seemed to know what he was doing. So if they bring back Boris and Dominic Cummings, well, they obviously don't get along, but that would be the ideal. I mean, the other thing is, uh, you know, the, Boris's sins are still Boris's sins. I guess you could say, in other words, you know, these parties he attended and so on. I guess you could say, well, he, he did his, his jail time. But well, it, it, it's, now everybody knows he's a compulsive liar, so you can sort of deal with him, right? Well, I mean, they knew I it know. then, and that was the reason he had to leave. But now the whole public knows. I mean, everybody in the country knows. You can't believe what he says. And it's harder to be a compulsive liar if everybody knows you're a compulsive liar. Because he will say something and they'll say, you're just a compulsive liar. That's bullshit. You'll have to prove it. Uh, the other interesting development, which Goodwin points out, is that the best of the the best member of the cabinet in terms of the base coalition, not the Liz Trust coalition, but the, the base coalition is this woman, Suella Braverman, who was forced out on the ticky tackiest email violation. She used her personal email to send the draft of an exciting immigration speech to a trusted colleague when she should have used the government email. Okay, give me a break. She had to quit over that. But she is, uh, there, there's some thought that there's going to be a breakaway party of the original Remainers, the 90% as opposed to trust is 10%. Uh, and, uh, and some possibility that she would enter it. So there's that possibility that the coalition will just break apart and, uh, and presumably lose the next election because, you know, they'll split their vote two ways. But, um, uh, but, uh, but you know, I, I, the argument is in the long term, the Braverman half will win. Uh, that, that does not have a counterpart in the United States because we, 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 we have a much greater barriers to splintering parties than they do. Uh, but, um, uh, you know the thing I don't get about British politics. I would be for I would be for Braverman. You know your British politics literacy is astoundingly high. I got to say, you know more than I do. Not that that's. A I high just bar. read a bunch of Substacks that were, you know, especially Goodwin and Sullivan, who echoes Goodwin, but especially Matt Goodwin's podcast. It sort of tells you what you need to know to bullshit about the subject. But the thing I don't get is how like. In British, you'll hear like on the BBC, their analyst of politics will say like, yeah, she, I don't see how she can survive now. And they'll be right. Like in American politics, you can just <laughs> go in your bunker and, and you know, it's like Bill Clinton. He's, he's like, no, I'm not resigning. What are you going to do? Call a SWAT team? And, and, and but it, there's something about British politics where these norms remain where no nah, no nah, if you lose if, if you do this kind of shit no it's a, it's a parliamentary system there's a quick trigger that's all it is you think i think that's the main thing you lose yeah, but, a vote but, of confidence and there's a but a, i mean it's true technically you don't have to resign if you lose a vote of confidence but there's you know there, at some point the hidden law comes into but play. it isn't just that they say well she's lost the support of most of their party in parliament it's it's kind of before that it's like no, she's she's done this. She went back on this, and she did this, and she did this. She's toast. It's like, it's like they're seeing the, the you know they're, they're seeing the train coming down the tracks before it gets to the point of 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 confirming that she's lost the support of the party. That's the the weird sense I get, and I don't understand it. But well, what do I? Know? I assume I assume if you're a politics reporter in Britain, you, you know twenty members of Parliament, and they will tell you off the record, you know she's going down, you know, in a way that. Maybe they don't hear because, you know, as you say, Bill Clinton isn't going down and you don't want to be even quoted blindly pissing on him. Yeah, but I mean, a good example is like, well, if this minister is resigned, she's toast. Well, I mean, what if the other people in a party say, actually, it's not that big a deal. It's just a minister. She resigned with an allegedly blistering letter, which seem, <laughs> That's seems what I mean. to. <laughs> so with, what? With, well, because she had a huge constituency, she was the she was the control immigration constituency. Yeah. So uh, that that they, she, you know, has a a bunch of followers. But yeah, you're right. Well, uh, I don't I don't get uh, politics, but you do, and I, uh, so we're lucky know. to have you on the podcast. Let me. Can I quickly say one thing about you know the the kind of uh, 
the coming meme is kind of uh, Russia and Iran as the as the new axis of evil. There's been all this publicity about Iran supplying Russia with these right. apparently uh, effective drones and right. possibly now missiles, and 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 they're supposedly, according to some reports, training them and using the drones in Crimea, whatever. So it's just kind of a, a, a match made in heaven for neocons. I mean, they're 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 just going to be all over this, and I have a piece in today's non-zero newsletter, the Earthling Weekend Edition, uh, where I just make the point that, you know, it did not have to be like this. It, it was not inevitable 20 years ago that Iran would want to be in Russia's camp. I mean, it wasn't even inevitable 20 years ago that Russia would want to invade Ukraine, and I think we could have made that less likely too, but our policy toward Iran has just made no sense uh, it's been, you know, almost designed to antagonize them. And I elaborate on that. And, 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 and there's, I actually, in last Fridays, I had a related thing, which was, um, you know, the UN Human Rights Council had voted 1917, 19 to 17, not to debate the, the Uyghur issue in China. So China won the vote. Okay. Right. And, Two of the countries that voted with China are Venezuela and Cuba. Another good example. If American foreign policy made any sense, they would not, you know, they're in our hemisphere. You know, if we had not smothered them in sanctions, Cuba for more than half a century, and just said, okay, look, we're not going to, you know, there are, there, there are human rights problems in the world much bigger than the ones in your country, like the one with the Uyghurs. And you can only, you know, you got to hoard your resources to spend them where they matter. And then you, you could be on sufficiently good terms with Venezuela and Cuba. You know, if, if you'd gone back and, and, and done what I think is the right thing for a couple of decades, and we would win that vote and they would now be debating uh, the Uyghur situation in the UN Human Rights Council. And the final thing is all the people complaining about this vote are exactly the people who favor the ostracization of Venezuela and Cuba. You have to admit that, though, that the idea that prosperity is going to make communists stop being communists has taken a hit in China, where whatever you think of we, we can whatever, discuss. You think of, whatever you think of Xi's speech, he clearly wants China to become a more communist nation where the Communist Party has a more central role and capitalists have a less central role uh, as a result well, of all the capitalist prosperity they've had. We can discuss this in the pair room because I, I listened to a podcast about she and so I'm now, of course, an expert on him. But but let me just emphasize, I mean, that's an interesting debate to have. But what I'm saying doesn't depend on that. OK, it depends on I, I'm just saying give up on the idea that America's mission is to usher in democracy around the world. OK, maybe Cuba wouldn't be a democracy. Well, it's sure as shit not one now after 60 years of sanctions. The people are suffering more than they would be. And meanwhile, we can't get them to vote with us at the U.N., or, or do various other things. I mean, you know, you, you, we cannot fine tune the nature of governance in all the world's countries. What is pretty well established is that the various ways we try to coerce them into, into becoming our kind of government don't work. You invade Iraq, doesn't work. Proxy war in Syria, doesn't work. Bomb Libya, doesn't work. Sanctions, don't work. Just give it up. And the world would be a much better place. Well, first, and now I'm not uh, saying again. I think there are human rights issues so big. You want you want to do what you can, and one good thing would be talk about them at the UN. The Uyghurs are an example, but you can't do everything. Well, the first there 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 are ways Cuba could fuck us, even if they were prosperous and voted with us in the UN. Uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis was one example. They could. Why would they would want it, to fuck us if we if we weren't declaring economic warfare on them right now? They're communists. They're not communists, um, for God's sake. If they're you not communists, communist if you met one, their status makes my my uh, my alarm is going off. Which means, they, okay, the, 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 I, I I have to make my second point, and then I will shut up. Uh, how, uh, you can't say that Iraq has been a long term disaster. They had elections. They now have a government. Iran <laughs> has not taken over the country. There's a lot of resistance to Iran. Uh, among the elected officials and the voters. Meanwhile, well, how is how is Iran and Iraq in a worse state now than it was under Saddam Hussein? I don't think it is. Well, first of all, ask the tons of people 
who dead. have you close have... relatives who are now dead or maimed for life. A, I didn't say there was a lot of cost, but you said it was a disaster in sort of the long-term outcome. Well, and ever I don't hear think of the clear. Islamic State? I ever don't think it's clear. Hey, well, Mickey, the... ever hear of the Islamic State Ever and what they did in Syria? But that's I mean, on the way out, too. Look at the long-term, Bob. Well, in the long term, we're all dead. I mean, who knows? And it, look, in the long term, who knows where Iraq would be if we hadn't invaded it? Well, it was 20 true, years but... ago. I mean, Saddam Hussein might well be dead. Who knows? Uh, but but uh, I think it would probably the chance the the, the, uh, the chances we... that Saddam would still be in power doing his thing is a lot greater than the chances of a 50-50 senator. You know what is very likely if we hadn't invaded? Hundreds of thousands fewer dead people, millions of fewer refugees, uh, all kinds, you know, all kinds of secondary effects from that, including Europe freaking out about immigrants. Now, Don, I don't think Donald Trump would have been elected president. It's just, it's just. Uh, I think the immigrants are more the product of the Syrian intervention than the Iraqi intervention. Right, but one thing that turned Syria into into a you know a cauldron of chaos is the Islamic, Islamic State, which was hatched in the chaos of Iraq. Well, if we hadn't pulled out troops, maybe it would have stopped it. If we hadn't there pulled out- There is that out argument. Obama, Obama's pullout probably helped the Islamic State. Uh, there are all kinds of arguments. But, and, and, then, and then it's just a bedrock fact that we don't have the fucking right to invade any country we want. And we certainly- don't have the right to do it if we're going to turn around and preach to Russia that that it's some kind of unprecedented sin when they do it. I, I, this I, is I, just I, our foreign policy is a fucking disaster. Wasn't there a colorable argument that I don't? I know Clinton said this that our our invasion was justified under uh, previous UN authorizations. We didn't have to ask for any more. Uh, total bullshit. I mean, you uh, know, we did, it, uh, we did ask for more and we didn't get them. That was the deciding factor for me. But, um, I mean, Saddam had violated whatever conditions there were on the previous deal, right? You know, enforcement of international law rests with the Security Council. You can't have a world in which any nation can say, I think you're not in compliance with the UN resolution, so I'm invading you. You know, that doesn't work. That's like, I can't invade my neighbor's house if I think there are drugs in there, okay? That's not a world that makes sense. I just say, you look at Iraq, they had elections, they have a government, they're not Iran's puppet. Oh. Can't say that's a horrible If you still, outcome. after everything I've said, we can continue as an apparent. If after everything I've said, you think it's plausible to say, hey, that was a great idea to invade Iraq. It's, it's, uh, not, on the, it's not on the list with Vietnam, put it that way, and the Bay of Pings. Oh, who's but, to say, look, in the long run, Mickey, you said in the long run, uh, Vietnam's doing fine. In the I long mean, run, it, we're all the Tayar de Chardin mind meld at the end of the world. Yes. That's my point. In the long run, you know, I mean, who knows? But, uh, I mean... I, I would just not easily include it on that list, that's all. I'm not so for it. It was so a bad war. So you're not, not saying, a good thing so you to don't do. think the Iraq you're not, you don't feel strongly that the Iraq invasion was a mistake? No, I think it was a mistake, but it's not, it's not, if you look at the current outcomes, you say, look at what our division did in Iraq, it's not that bad. It could still be a mistake because of all the dead people, but you just shouldn't put it on that list. Iraq is still pretty much a mess, but again, all the carnage, all the ensuing carnage. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, the carnage and the chaos. And finally, we just don't have the right. That's a different point. Your point was... The outcome was a failure. Well, no, but there's the practical implication of our not having the right, which is that if we want to establish a world of rules and norms, which I think is deeply in America's interest and in other countries' interests, we can't keep behaving like you're saying was a good idea. Different point. I didn't say it was a good idea. Different point. That was a troll. You, you, okay. Uh, I'll okay. see you on Victory so, Day. Yeah. Uh, so, Parrot Room at patreon.com slash Parrot Room. Well, we have a hell of a time. Uh, what are we going to talk about? Uh, um, go ahead. Well, I'm going to reply to this person who said that I mischaracterized John Mearsheimer. Now, I think that was a YouTube commenter, but hey, dude, you want my answer? Pay up. Uh, 
What else? Uh, oh, Kanye West wants to buy Parler, and and now they're talking as if the Musk uh, purchase of Twitter is going to go through. So we got to do our social media update. Yeah. And I, I can finally unglue my fingers from this laptop here. Uh, don't, don't do anything rash. Um, I, I, Musk can't take over soon enough. I firing, firing 75% of Twitter employees is not enough. And although uh, uh, a commenter said that the true crime stuff is beneath us, I may say a little more about the serial podcast. Who knows? Um, the beneath us, we do immediately. The, the above us takes time. Uh, um, what? So what? Let me see. I don't know if that's... I, I, I have... Um, I have. I, I heard John Meacham talk about uh, the threat to democracy and how uh, there's an evil cabal of super mega financiers. It was a very weird... Uh, soundbite he gave uh, on the eleventh hour on MSNBC, and uh, and why I think uh, he was off base. Uh, he uh, he basically said, you know, once we get once we get rid of the Constitution, uh, who says the law of contract is going to be? Why do businessmen think the law of contract is going to be honored? You know, it's going to be like Putin, where you have to pay off an oligarch to do business, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, there's uh, the what we call the forward lean, Bob, which is, okay, suppose the Republicans do take both houses of Congress. A, is there anything they can do to actually solve the problems that they're campaigning against? I'm not so sure. And B, is there any way Biden can readjust to accommodate this new reality? You know, sometimes after shellackings in the midterms, presidents adjust, Bill Clinton famously so, uh, Barack Obama less so. Which one is Biden? Uh, uh, there's the uh, continuing fallout from this L.A. City Council tape. Uh, Kevin DeLeon, one of the one of the Latino lawmakers who everybody's calling to resign, has refused to resign. I support him in this. I think he's realizing the uh, the lesson of the governor of Virginia, which is if you don't resign, they can make you resign. And sometimes you get to stay. Uh, and, uh, and and there was a I, I, I finally realized the secret reason what all the fuss is about. Uh, it's not okay. it's not racism. It's something else. Uh, okay, only the, the secret is in the parrot room. Right. And. Uh, there's Walter Kern's idea that we're. We're living through an exceptionally schlocky period of culture. That's the equivalent of, of of them of the society degrading uh degrading the quality of food to prepare you for corporate franchise food and i'm not sure that's true does but, he think uh, it's an well we'll find out in the pair room does he think it's like an actual conspiracy you never he know might. with walter he, he, he's prone to that <laughs> kind of thing oh by the way there's We're uh totally the, immune my, my my brett weinstein uh I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on his podcast making the case that, well, how would I put this? He's crazy? Is that the way I'd put it? Anyway, did you miss this? This was kind of a thing on Twitter. Did you not see this, Mickey? Uh, I did not see that. You went on his podcast or you're no, going, I'm going on, on, on yeah. his podcast? I saw he, that. He challenged me to come on his podcast. Okay, we've set a date. We've set a date. Well, you, were, you were angling for that. You Previously, you couldn't get him, and now he's... He's been, he's been on my show a couple of times long ago. Okay. Well, this will be the epic. This will be. Oh, this is big. This is big. It's pay-per-view. This will be bigger than Fetterman-Oz. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, um, but I'll, I'll talk about that in the parrot room and uh, maybe polish some of my talking points, crowdsource some talking points, some anti-Brett talking um, points. And I got lost in Arizona and I, of course, like all cheesy reporters came across with came away with a valuable insight and you'll tell us what it is in the parrot room mickey correct you know i just got to say something about the parrot room you want me to you want to know what it is and this is the ultimate commendation of a room the parrot is warming up well it wasn't that the parrot is warming up but it wasn't that 
low churn, low churn. We don't lose a lot of patrons, you know? It's, this is not like, you know, 100 come in this week, 100 leave. It's like once you're in the parrot room, you're like, God, how did I go so long without ever being here? This is like paradise. This is like heaven, right? This is like, uh, it's just inject yeah. me with this shit, right? That's what they say. I, I, uh, I, I, thought, I saw that as alarming because I noticed the same trend. I noticed that the same people are still with us. And I realized this is the future. These are my only friends left. Is the yeah. 1,100 people in the parrot room. Uh, and, and that's sort of, uh, it's both positive and slightly alarming. But they like you a lot, a whole lot. Well, they like each other a lot. But anyway, they're, they're part of a viable community. But um, I agree with that. But I'd also like to see it get bigger. Yeah. I'm not sure which one of us should be in charge of marketing after that exchange. But low <laughs> churn, low churn, folks. What does that tell you? Does the parrot have anything to say before we adjourn to patreon.com slash parrot room, Mickey? See you on Victory Day. Uh, how are things in Bach mood? Uh, we'll see you in the parrot room.